I was, uh, by the way, welcome. Glad you're all here. Welcome to all of you that are watching online. It was sure fun to be with you the 10 minutes before. And don't forget, 10 minutes afterwards, I'm going to be with you and Pastor Brandon. So if you have any questions about the message or whatever, you make sure you um, let Brandon know, text them in. I, uh, when I pulled up here, there's always a whole lot of cars here, whether it's Saturday night or Sunday morning. And those are cars of people who love the Lord deeply. And because they love the Lord, it spills over into a love for the church. That's you. And uh, they're here serving in some capacity. And I was talking on the phone the other day with a pastor friend of mine here in the city, and they're really struggling to find people to serve coming out of the pandemic, if you will. And not here. It's just really, really cool to see all of the people who serve here. And, and I know of families that literally, they may not be serving here, but I know of one family. Actually, there are two families. I think they were all part of the same home group. And they serve by walking there down uh, like Briggsmore and cleaning up trash. I know of uh, a family who last week they, they were moving and they needed someone to help them move. And they called up, I think it was people in their home group, and boom, guess what happened? People help lift all the stuff and get stuff moved. And so thank you for serving. You get to see some of them here. Uh, these are all folks that serve. But obviously, as we begin to make our way out of this pandemic, we, we, need, we need more of you who would uh, serve in our children's ministries and youth ministries and all those places. But I sure am grateful for all of you that work hard, pray for this place, because without the army that comes together to make this happen on the weekends, man, we're, we're up the proverbial creek, you know, without a paddle. So thank you uh, very much. So I want you to take your Bibles and turn to uh, James chapter 5 and just put your finger in there. We are beginning a brand new series here called Victory. And it, it really begins next uh, week, really. Uh, but this is kind of the, the prelude. This is just kind of laying the foundation. And obviously, this series is going to take us up to the, the greatest victory ever, the day that Jesus Christ walked out of the tomb. Because without that day, there's no reason for us to meet, right? There's no reason for us to sing all these songs or do whatever it is we're, we're doing, if not for that great day of victory. And so this series, I think, is going to be great. I really believe on Easter Weekend here, we have uh, two Saturday night gatherings, we have our two Sunday morning gatherings, and we have a sunrise gathering along with the online uh, uh, crowd. I think we're going to see a lot of people make their way back. I really believe that. We've been through a crazy year. It's been crazy, and we're not out of the, we're not out of it yet. And uh, but we're, we're we're getting there, and so. Uh, today is going to be great. Today is going to be a really simple message, but by the end of it, you're going to walk out of here with something to do. 
every one of you. And so uh, buckle your seatbelts, okay? So James chapter five and verse 16 says this. The prayer of a righteous man. Okay, and that just means a righteous person. And a righteous person is just somebody who knows the Lord. Once you accept Christ into your life as your savior, he makes you right, okay? So the, 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 the prayer of a believer, the prayer of a disciple of Christ, the prayer of a follower of Jesus is powerful and effective. One version, the New Living Translation puts it this way, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I like that version. The New Century Version says it like this, when a believing person prays, great things happen. That's good too, isn't it? And I want you to understand something about what our brother James is telling us here. This is a great piece of information for us. There's nothing, I don't know, there's nothing powerful in, in, in praying in and of itself. What makes it powerful is who we're praying to. That's why there's such power in it. That's why it's effective. There's a lot of people out there that believe in, you know, different gods, small g's. And there's no power in that. The reason why a believer, a follower of Christ, someone who knows Jesus as their savior, the reason why when they pray, when they talk with God, the reason why there's power in that is because of who they're praying to, the all-powerful one, you see? And I want you to forget that as we kind of walk through some passages here about prayer. My routine is that Monday through Friday, even when it's raining, it rained this week and I had my umbrella, uh, Pastor Lonnie's sitting right down here and so Lonnie and I are in a lot of meetings together and he will tell you, I, I rarely sit down. I'm always pacing. I'm walking around. I think better that way. You put me in a chair and I'm like, you know, it's like, man, someone's, you know, doing crummy things to me. And so I'm always walking around, always. Lonnie will tell you that. And so in the mornings, my routine is I get up early, put on all kinds of sweats. I got a, you know, a, a thing around my neck. I got my hat on and I put my earbuds in and I got my little dog and we go for a walk about an hour and a half. It's about four four and a half miles, even when it's raining. Because I, I just got to move, okay? So first thing I do is I'm, I'm listening to scripture through my ear pod, you know, iPod thing. I'm listening. And after about 20 minutes, I turn it off, and then 
there's the power moment. I'm going to pray. You see, I believe this. This just isn't a verse that takes up some space in my Bible. I, I literally believe this. And so, man, I get done, I'm going through the Bible. I started with the New Testament in January. I'm uh, now uh, kind of right towards the end of Genesis now. I'm into the, it's amazing how fast you can get through scripture when you're just listening to it. And then, man, whew, I start to pray. I'm gonna talk more about that in a, in a moment. The great apostle Paul, he said this. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Paul was a really smart man. He was super intelligent. His IQ was probably off the chart. Obviously, they didn't you know, track IQs back then. Besides Jesus, we'll put Jesus over here, Paul was the greatest theologian to ever live, okay? Obviously, he wrote um, most of the New Testament, so, you know, the writers of the New Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they wrote exactly what God wanted them to write, and here's what God told Paul to write. I want you to let my people know something. I don't want them to worry about anything. That's what God wants you to know as one of his followers. Don't worry about anything, anything. Instead, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray about everything. That's what I want you to do. I want you to get in touch with me. I'm the all-powerful one, so whatever it is that's got you spun out and worried and anxious or whatever all that is, you come and spend some time with me. God says, I want you to talk to me. Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians chapter five, he said, always be joyful, always, always. There's no wiggle room here. God wants his people to be filled with joy. Never stop praying, never stop. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now that doesn't mean, you know, you're down on your knees before God, you, you know, as you're driving or you're walking around, but there's this attitude of prayer. You just always have God there. You're, you're just joyful about things. You're thankful for things. God doesn't want you to ever stop praying. He wants you to stay in touch with him all the time, talk with him all the time. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter six. He says, when you pray, 
Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogue where everybody can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will, will reward you. And, and the first thing and the most important thing I want you to notice are what he says there in the beginning, when you pray. Jesus doesn't say if you pray. The assumption is, is that you're going to pray. The assumption that Jesus makes is that his people, his disciples, his followers, his bride are going to be people who pray because they understand who he is. And when you get who he is, man, why wouldn't you pray? I mean, why wouldn't you just spend all your time uh, praying? Now, also just want to say this. Jesus isn't saying that you can't get together in a small group of people and pray. Uh, Tim and I and Lonnie and, and uh, the musicians and some of our leaders, we gathered in the altar room at 5.15, and we, we got together and we prayed. He's not telling us that you, you can't sit down with your family and pray. That's not what he's saying. He's just saying be careful what your motive is when you, when you pray. I, I'm somebody who loves to pray all by myself. That doesn't mean I don't like sitting down with Tim and praying or, you know, have my family around praying for dinner or whatever, thanking the Lord for lunch or whatever. But I'm somebody who, uh, I, I, got, I got stuff. I think if the average soul in this room were to sit with me or a camera was on me when I was having my, my times with the Lord, we'd go, wow, he really has lost it. He's over the edge. One too many something when I was younger. I finally came back. Because I'm just, I got stuff. I, I got stuff I want to talk to him about. And his shoulders are big enough to handle all the things that I got running around in my brain. I treat him with great honor and great respect. He's not my best buddy. We're not friends like that. He's God Almighty who loves me deeply. And that cross proves how much he loves me. Luke chapter 11 records um, something really interesting. Imagine if you had the opportunity. I don't know, one night you're laying in bed and the Lord just appeared. And he says, hey, you can ask me for one thing. What do you want? What do you want? Imagine. Imagine the Lord shows up. My friend, Tyler Meyer, right back here. Imagine the Lord shows up and says, Tyler, what do you want? Kind of like, you know, rubbing the genie's proverbial belly, you know, and you get one wish. What would it be? What would you, what would you ask Jesus for? Man, the disciples got, got a shot at that. In Luke chapter 11, it says, One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. 
Here they were. They could have asked Jesus for anything. Jesus, teach us to do miracles. They didn't ask for that. Jesus, man, you know how to preach, man. You can hold an audience spellbound, you know. Can you teach us how to preach like you preach? They didn't ask for that. What they said was, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Not, not teach us how to preach, not teach us how to do miracles. You know, you did that whole fish thing and the loaf thing. That was kind of cool, the water and the wine. You walked on water. Can, can, can you teach us how to do that? They didn't ask that. They asked, would you teach us how to pray? Why? Why? I think it's because they recognized that somehow prayer was the key to the life of Jesus, I think. I don't know. The scriptures don't tell me why that was the one thing they asked for. I think, well, there they were, I don't know, 15,000 people on the side of a mountain, and he's got a little kid's sack lunch, and all the guys are going, man, this is gonna end bad, and he prays. And the next thing you know, everybody's eating, there's food left over. I think they watched him sneak out of, you know, <laughs> bedroom windows of homes and sneak up to the mountains and get alone and pray. And I think somehow they went, you know what? I, there's something about him praying. Where I, I think that's where he's getting his juice at. I think there's something crazy happening when he prays. And of course we know it is powerful, it is effective because of who you're praying to. And so they say, hey, teach us how to pray. Man, we watched you pray and all of a sudden you said, Lazarus, come out of there. And he came out. There's something behind this prayer thing going on. Beloved, I... I think we're no different than Jesus. I, I think prayer really is the key to our, our spiritual life, our walk with the Lord. And I didn't get this when I was really a younger Christian. You know, I just, I didn't really understand it all that much. You know, I, I just, when I was the youth guy here, I just wanted to do the event, man. This is get all the kids here, I'll preach the gospel, man, and cool things would happen. And I can look back now and I can see the hand of God and all of it, but I, I often wonder to myself as a guy who's now in his 60s, hmm, Lonnie, I, you know, we had a lot of kids come to some event. A lot of kids gave their life to the Lord. I wonder how many more would have given their life to the Lord 
if I'd have really understood prayer differently. Because God's good. He's awesome. And he's going to work even if you don't pray. I, I, mean, I, I, I can tell you about that. But you look back now, older, more mature, more wiser, and you go, man, I wish I'd have spent more time praying. Who knows? Who knows what might have happened? I, uh, I have a, a couple of quotes here I want to share with you from some pretty famous Christians. Some of you will recognize these names. Martin uh, Lloyd-Jones said, Prayer in many ways is the supreme expression of our faith in God. And let me tell you why I like that. Because I, I think if you're not praying, then you really, I don't know how deep your faith could be. I think if you're not praying, then you're relying upon your own abilities. And guess what? God's given you abilities. God's given you these incredible things called brains. And so you can think and you can dream and you can do all these things on your own. And some of you are super strong and, and super, super athletic and, and super whatever. And, and you got gifts and you can play guitar and you can, you can play trumpet. And you don't even need to know the Lord to do any of those things. And, and so you just work naturally, as I did, I think, when I was the youth guy here, just out of pure grit and the skill he gave you. But I think Martin Lloyd-Jones is on to something here. I think it is the way we express our faith in God. I, I visualize when I'm walking in the morning that time when I start talking to God, and I know there's about seven billion people on the planet. <laughs> you know, right now in my home, there are four people. There's me, my wife, my, my son, who's a senior in high school, and my, my daughter, who is in, in college at Fresno. There's four of us. If they're all talking to me at one time, I can't, I'm lost. <laughs> I, can't, I can't hear anything. I, I, I can't follow anything. I can't try. And there's, there's just, you know, three of them talking at me. So it's easy to go, well, man, imagine seven billion people. What if they're all talking to God at the same moment? He's God. And when I'm walking and I start talking to him, I know he's locked in on me. It's like a, it's, it's like a, it's like a heat-seeking missile. He's locked in. There's nobody else he cares about at that moment than me. He's listening to me. And I'm now conversing with the one true living God. Wow. Charles Spurgeon, another great theologian, said this. He said, a prayerless church member is a hindrance he is in the body like a rotting bone or a decaying tooth. Before long, since he does not contribute to the benefit of his brethren, he will become a danger and a sorrow to them. Neglect of private prayer is the locus which devours the strength of the church. So, Dr. Spurgeon, tell us how you really feel about that. I mean, wow. That's, 
Now remember, these are quotes. This is not scripture. I'm not putting what these men have said above what God's word says. But these are pretty sharp guys. My favorite quote about prayer is this. I've shared it with you on many of occasions. The one concern of the devil, this is Samuel Chadwick, is to keep Christians from praying. He cares nothing for prayerless work, prayerless study, or prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, he mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. And so Monday through Friday as I'm walking around my neighborhood, you know what? If Mr. Chadwick is right, I'm making the devil tremble for at least 20 minutes. How often, how long are you making the devil tremble each day? Isn't that a great question? Huh. Well, this week, we're gonna make the devil tremble. I'm gonna encourage you, and, and, and um, I'm gonna have drones over all your houses. We ordered lots of drones. I'm gonna watch every one of you. I'm gonna see, I'm gonna make sure you do this. Um, we're gonna do something crazy for God. I'm actually gonna challenge you to walk around your neighborhood or drive around your neighborhood or drive around your neighborhood and drive over to another neighborhood. In fact, right now, what I wanna do is I wanna show you a video of our senior pastor who went with one of our missionaries, a local missionary, Marvin Jacobo, who was born, Marvin Jacobo was born over in the airport district. That's where he grew up. And I want you just to see uh, a quick video. Can, can, can we do that now? Well, thanks for letting me be here with you. I'm Marvin Jacobo. Um, I work at City Ministry Network, and I've had the privilege of getting a chance to uh, just do a sample prayer walk with you in a neighborhood. So even though this is uh, airport neighborhood, one of our more vulnerable uh, neighborhoods. Truth of it is, I'm going to give you a sample of how I would pray in my neighborhood, and I do pray in my neighborhood as I walk the neighborhood. So uh, we're going to take a walk, and since I got a microphone here, I'm not going to look at the camera, but we'll we'll go from there. So these are. I'm praying, I'm just blessing these families. I don't know the, any of these individual families, but I'm praying, Lord, may your Holy Spirit be present here. Pray that they know you. I pray that they find a life-giving church and a church that, a fellowship that will grow them into the likeness of your son. Pray for the safety of the children. Lord, when they walk to and from school, I pray for the dads that they would have a dignity in their work, that they would have work. I pray for the moms, that if they're working, that they would have work too, but also too, that they'd have energy to care for their families. I pray, Lord, um, for no domestic violence in these homes. Uh, so many of our families in this neighborhood particularly are victims of domestic violence, of trauma, of child abuse. And Lord, um, pray you protect them. I pray you would do that and save them from, from this mess. 
Uh, there was a wonderful man who owned a taco truck here and a kid killed him. Um, and they're still working on the details of it all. But it was right here and uh, just a wonderful man, but um, he's gone now. So um, that was a real trauma for the neighborhood. So in fact, right now, I'm just gonna go pray right now. Master, in the name of your son, Jesus, I do pray for the evil spirit of, of violence that has grown up in these children. May they shut, may he be gone. I pray for peace in the neighborhood so that moms and children can walk to school safely. Children can play in the street, in the parks with safety and not a fear. That um, our senior adults, those moms and dads, abuelos, abuelitos who live in this neighborhood could walk in safety at night. I, I think back on Zechariah 8, 4 and 5 where you, you literally gave that as a, a dream for Jerusalem that someday when the God of the angel armies visits a neighborhood, the old men and women will be found leaning on their canes, walking in safety at night, and the children will be found playing in the streets. A good city to grow up in and to grow old in. And Master, as I think about the kingdom of God, I think that the kingdom of God defined is life as you intended it to be. And you even prayed, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what would that even look like in a neighborhood? And as I walk the streets, Lord, and as men and women from Big Valley Church walk the streets, may they pray that your kingdom would show up in their neighborhood. In Christ's name, amen. So Marvin, you know, they, they made a, in the scriptures, there's this great moment where they, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of the airport district? Yeah, Marvin Jacobo. He's a human being made in the very image of God. Let me tell you, as much as I'd love to see more of you doing stuff around here, I'm gonna challenge you to get out of here and go do something really, really weighty. The, the, the American church has lost something. It just has. I can't put my finger on it. It's we're, we're so, we're so, we just navel gaze too much. And I'm gonna challenge you to go do something this week that I hope would become a habit for you. That is, I want you to do, in Genesis chapter 24, it says this, meanwhile, Isaac, whose home was in the Negev, then, then you get to verse 6, you see, one evening as he was walking and meditating in the fields, he looked up and saw the camels coming. And what I love about that little visual there is he's walking, and what's he doing? He's doing something else. He's meditating, he's praying, he's thinking. He's thinking on God's word. And that's what, we, what I'm gonna challenge you to do. Not just this week. I hope it becomes a habit of yours. I hope that you would say, you know what? There are lost souls in your neighborhood. There are lost souls in this city. There are lost people, hurting people, broken people. Just all around us. 
And I gave you the theological underpinning of, of why we need to pray. And hopefully all of you, literally all of you, will, will, will take this challenge. And so when you came in, you were given this little book. And if you've noticed, just about all the verses I already put in there for you, the quotes that I read off to you are in this book. There's also the Know Your Neighbor little tool that you can get online. We put it in there for you so that you could begin to maybe put down the name of who your next door neighbor is or who your cross the street neighbor is and, and you could begin to maybe just figure out even who they are and you can begin to pray for them. And then it's this um, fourth page or whatever number it would be. This is what I'm gonna ask you to do. You could take 15 minutes, you could take 30 minutes, you could do it in an hour, you, you, you could do it every day, you could do it once a week. But I really wanna challenge you and encourage you we get enough discouragement in the world. We're, we're, we're in a war against demons, right? We are. I want to encourage you to do something. Challenge you to do something that will make a real difference. And that is, I want you to walk your neighborhood, drive your neighborhood, and I got, got, I got three things here I want you to do. You can add more to it, I don't care. I'm gonna give you three things. Number one, as you walk, I want you to be thankful. Just spend the first five minutes. Let's say you're gonna go out for 15 minutes. You're gonna drive through a neighborhood. You're gonna drive wherever it is you're gonna drive. You're gonna drive to your buddy's neighborhood. You're gonna drive to your parents' neighborhood. I don't care where you go. You obviously wanna do it in your neighborhood. But I want you to start with being thankful. The Bible says in Psalms 86, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forever. I want you to start there. Because once you start with being thankful, it's weird how some of the things that just might spin you out go away. And I gave you a list of things. Thank the Lord for your spouse. Thank the Lord for your children, your parents, your friends, your job. Thank the Lord that you got food to eat where, where you just saw Marvin and Joel and Pastor um, Brandon. A lot of those people right now got nothing. They got nothing to eat. Probably if you didn't eat before you came, I got the feeling you'll eat when you get home. Probably everyone. And if you don't, if you literally have no food to eat, you come and see me when we're done and I'll make sure you, you ate. Be thankful you came to church then, right? because you'll eat tonight. Thank the Lord that you got clothes to wear, a roof over your head, the scriptures, your salvation, your church, your health, your job, whatever it is. Friends, you, you, you just want to just say, man, God, thank you. Got so much to be thankful for. And you could spend... Five minutes doing that, and maybe even take a little piece of paper and write them down, because all of a sudden, you'll start to think of all kinds of things to be thankful for. But the second piece of it is, as you walk, remember God's power. 
Psalm 77 says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. So after you spend some time being thankful, I want you to go, man, the God who lives inside of me. Remember, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? He lives inside of you. That's something to be thankful for. That God lives inside of you. And I just wrote some things down. Remember Noah and the, and the great flood. Think, remember that. Think that through. Or, or Jonah who was in the belly of the fish. Hey, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to tell them about me. I want you to tell the people about, I want you to be a missionary for me. So head that direction and go tell them about me. <laughs> and he runs the opposite direction, basically, which is never a good thing to do when you're dealing with God, right? <laughs> the walls of Jericho. You know, it's interesting. God could have just said, hey, uh, here's the deal. When you guys wake up in the morning, have a good breakfast, and then bam, they're coming down, and then go in there and take care of business. He didn't. He got them involved. Well, I don't know, like walking your neighborhood, driving around a neighborhood. kind of just got everybody involved. He didn't need those guys to go walk around the walls. Man, remember the Red Sea? Man, Moses and all the good guys. And turn around and here comes all the bad guys. Whoa, what do we do? And the people didn't know that there was a freeway underneath the water. Boom. All the good guys make it across. And the bad guys got about halfway. <laughs> you know. Whoa, remember that? How about David? Little tiny David. He's a shepherd boy. I don't know. I don't know how old he was. Let's say he's 13. Was much older than that, probably. And all these great Israeli soldiers, man, been trained. Man, they 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 graduated from SEAL school training. And they're afraid of the giant. This little kid shows up with a sack lunch to give to his brothers. And the next thing you know, man, he's got a rock and a sling. And woo-hoo. Yeah, it's what I'm talking about. You know? I mean, think, remember that? Daniel in the lion's den. The feeding of 5,000. Jesus walks on water. Lazarus rises from the dead. The lame walk. The deaf hear. The blind could see. Remember the miracle that God did in your own life. Hey, let me just tell you something. Those two things right there will change your whole outlook on life. It'll change your whole outlook on your day. When you're just thankful to God for all of his blessings in your life, and then you start remembering all the crazy cool things God did, man. And then you get to number three. And that is you, uh, you pr- actually pray for your, your neighbors or the neighborhood that you're in. And it might be, man, I, I know they're the Joneses, but I don't know if they know the Lord or not. And so, God, I'm just going to lift them up to you right now. Would you somehow open their heart 
to the gospel. Maybe they would come to Easter, you know. Maybe they'd come. I know there's still people who are anxious and they don't want to get in a crowd, and that's okay. Oh, you know what, man, I know they got a teenage son, and man, I just pray, God, that you'd watch over him, man. Growing up in this culture, are you kidding me, man? I, this, is, this is crazy. We're living in a culture just crazy. But you're actually gonna start praying for your neighbors. And you don't have to know their names. If you wanna drive over to the airport district, drive over there and I'll tell you a great prayer. God, maybe the next Marvin Jacobo is in this neighborhood. That's a great man of God who's done, who's done incredible things for the kingdom. God had a plan for his life. Maybe you drive over to West Modesto or you drive over to Del, the Del Rio area. Everybody, I mean, everybody's, every, I, you know, you can drive through the Del Rio area and you can look at all those big fancy homes and think, well, man, they got it all together. They don't. They're all dying in their sin just like anybody else from any other neighbor. The only thing about what money does is it just helps you hide all the junk. I don't care where you go. I don't care where you drive. I, I just want you to be thankful. I want you to remember how powerful and awesome God is. And then I want you to actually pray. See, the Bible says in Proverbs 21, the Lord can control a king's mind as he controls a river. He can uh, direct it as he pleases. You know, Pray that God would be at work in people's lives. When you think about some of the great people of Christianity, who, who comes to your mind? Billy Graham, Jerry Falwell, Dale Moody, Charles Spurgeon, Adrian Rogers, J. Vernon McGee. Hey, there's no doubt that these are great people of God, that God used in some incredible ways. But you know what? For every one of those people, there was somebody who walked a neighborhood or drove by their home and prayed for them. They're not the great men of God that they are unless somebody was praying. Somebody was praying for Marvin in a really, really crummy neighborhood I've been to his home over there he doesn't live there anymore but I've been there I'm not even sure you could fit the drum cage in the thing somebody was praying for him well but I want our church to be a praying church because a, a, a praying church is a holy church Everybody in, in the church, I don't know, could be giving. I don't know if that makes you holy or not. I don't know. Everybody in the church could be serving somewhere. And you know what? I don't, I don't know. I know. I know people who give and who are living in sin. I know people who serve and they're living in sin. I don't know how you live in sin when you're spending time on your knees before God. Maybe you can. Maybe you can. I don't know. All I know is I believe that a praying church is a holy church. That's what I believe. 
I believe that a praying church is a committed church. It's an enthusiastic church. I think a praying church is a church where miracles happen, miracles in marriages, miracles in business, miracles in finances. And so we're starting this brand new series and it's beginning with prayer. Now next week, you're gonna, we're, we're, we're gonna get more into the Easter story, if you will. So we'll, 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 we'll kind of remember kind of what the scriptures teach us about the story of, of Easter. Jesus going to the cross, dying and all of that. This is simply the kickoff to it to say, hey, let's be a church that's praying. Take this, put it in your car, drive around, just drive through your neighborhood, take 15 minutes, five minutes on each of these. Maybe take 30 minutes, spend 10 minutes on just being thankful, 10 minutes remembering how great God is, 10 minutes going, stopping in front of a house and going, you know, I, can't, I don't remember their name. Maybe I need to go up. Yeah, I've been your neighbor for 20 years, and I just, I'm so sorry. I don't even know your name. Oh, it's the Johnson. Man, glad to meet you. Just wanted to know who you are, man. And why, I just want you to know I'm thinking of you. I'm praying for you. Anything I can do for you, let me know. By the way, you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't know how God's going to lead you. One of the great evangelistic tools ever is this phrase. Hey, can I pray for you? I've been a believer a long time. Lonnie's been a believer longer than I have, but I'll bet, Lonnie, you could count on one hand the number of people who, when you say, hey, can I pray for you? No, I don't want you praying for me, man. Nobody says no. <laughs> they just don't. Uh, well, yeah, uh, yeah, they may be something lame. Uh, my, uh, my carburetor's not working. Oh, all right, let me, let me pray. You get the right parts of the, the right mechanic or whatever. It's weird how a comment like that, you're into a spiritual dialogue with somebody. And uh, obviously, we want you to be praying that maybe they would come to our Easter gathering. And I want you to know something. They're, they're gonna be fantastic. They always are. They always are. Last Easter, remember, we didn't do it. It was like nobody in the room. <laughs> it's like It's like weird. So I, I, I really believe God's gonna do something really great in our church family on Easter weekend because we're praying and we're inviting our friends and neighbors and all of that. So I'm gonna have you stand up. I'm gonna pray for you. And so Lord, thank you for our time to meet here this morning. Oh, man, the music was just great, just great. And uh, Lord, seeing those people being baptized, that's always a win. Thank you, Jesus, for your word, because without it, we got nothing to talk about, nothing to say. And um, I look forward to going and having a special time now with the online audience, God. And I pray this in your name, amen.